Welcome to another episode of the Eric Crocker Show. I'm your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back. And on today's show, man, we are getting to all things pertaining to the San Francisco 49ers, of course. And talking about the 53-man roster, were there any surprises? Uh, some of the guys that have got claimed onto other rosters. So, see ya, Deshaun Jameson and others. And also, Samuel Womack. Uh, I started to dive into a little bit of film, and I'm seeing one thing that I feel like can really help him take his game to the next level. We're going to talk about all that and more. Appreciate everybody for tuning in on this beautiful Wednesday morning. Make sure y'all... Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm feeling good, man. It's a, it's a nice, beautiful day out here in uh, Stockton, California. And every day I wake up, I'm like, feels good to be home. Feels good to be home. Uh, of course, this show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. And um, Underdog Fantasy, I just had a meeting with them. All right, just got off the phone with them. And they're going to do something pretty cool for the show. And every week, I'll be able to pick someone from the chat and basically give them they call it credits but give them fifty dollars to play fantasy football with or underdog fantasy with so if you aren't already on underdog fantasy if you don't already have the app make sure that you download the app or go to underdogfantasy.com and on your initial deposit go ahead and throw in there a crocky that's how they found you all right so use promo code crocky when you sign up and again every week and i think i'm going to do it on like a Tuesday or something like that, where I'll just pick the person from the chat. Again, you have to have Underdog Fantasy for me to be able to credit you. You actually have to have a username on there. So if you have Underdog Fantasy, use promo code Crocky. Have it all set up, all ready to go. If I pick your name, then boom, there we go. $50 credited to you. We're going to be doing that every single week. All right. Shout out to uh, LT Simple Jack in the chat. It's my guy Rob Louder. Shout out to Rob Louder. I miss my guy Rob Louder. I think I was telling my wife recently. I'm like, babe, I miss Rob. You know, I went from talking to Rob every day. You know, we don't speak as much, but uh, maybe we can catch a game together. Or I am back in California. Maybe I can uh, drive down to, I was going to say Central Valley. I'm, I'm talking technically Central Valley, but he's like Central, Central Valley. All right, over in the Fresno area. I'm going to come in, watch a game with my dog, man. Miss my dog, Rob. We got Gammon already in the chat giving the, Super chat, let's go. Game appreciate you. He said, please quit withholding information. You roll deep with many reporters. What is Bosa's <laughs> yearly salary? With? Listen, to be honest, and I probably could, first of all, I do not roll deep with any reporters. I, I just don't. But I probably could reach out to some and pull some information. But that's just not how I roll. You know what I'm saying? So we'll, whenever, uh, you know, it gets posted to social media, the details of the Nick Bosa situation, that's when I'll find out as well. Again, I probably could I probably could reach out to uh, Barrows, Mayoko. They DM me for, you know, different things or whatever, asking certain questions. Um, you know, I've done an article with one of them where I gave my input on a specific 49er player. So, uh, you know, it's cool there. There's, there. there's love there, but I kind of, you know, do everything else from a distance. All right, y'all. Let, let's start getting into some stuff. You guys want to start with the 53-man roster? I think that's kind of the more important news here. Or do y'all want to start with Samuel Womack and some things I'm seeing from him? All right, you know what? Let's let's start with Samuel Womack. All right, and I think I can actually like share my screen on this. So I'm actually gonna click on the video here and real quick just show y'all some things that I typically see 
as it pertains to certain guys, all right? And this should be on the screen, right? Where is it at? Womack, Womack, boom, there we go. All right. Go to here, and what am I seeing from Samuel Womack? Here we go. Boom. All right. Everybody see that? We are good. Good to go. So I'm watching Samuel Womack. He's the corner down here at the bottom. And this is what I initially noticed, all right? Real quick. Oh, we got this dang thing all in the way. All in the way. Let's see if I can make this bigger here. That didn't really help. I think it moves, doesn't it? There we go. All right, so the one thing I've noticed about Samuel Womack, and we'll run this back a couple times, but dude is really good at getting in and out of his breaks. He has terrific feet. So one thing that I really like to note when it comes to cornerbacks, when I'm evaluating prospects, how good are their feet? Like how, how good are their feet at reacting the way that they want them to react? There are some guys that have like these clunky feet. Uh, there are some guys that have a little bit of kind of like poor change of direction. But there's some guys who are able to, whatever they're thinking their feet are able to just react. And Samuel Womack, that's one of them. So I came on here and I started talking about one thing I think he can improve on. I really think it's challenging himself more, not giving up as much of a cushion because his feet are going to react to whatever the receiver does. They give him a double move. His feet react extremely well. Um, you know, depending on the route, they react very well. So I actually, if I'm him, start to kind of close that gap between the receiver and him, that space there. Where for a lot of guys, it's more of a like a what we call a gray area. And you know, let's say a guy like me, you know, Eric Crocker, I don't want to live in that gray area because I don't transition in and out of my breaks as well as Samuel Womack. And I don't have four three speed. He can low-key be in that gray area and his feet just react. So I think if he played it more that way, it would allow him to uh probably break up more passes in the NFL, as he did in college, right? Like in college. He, like, led the nation in pass breakups or led his conference in pass breakups. He did a terrific job with that. I think he can do that at the NFL level because, again, it's all about being able to, like, challenge yourself. And there are some guys where their turn and run or their transition in and out of breaks isn't as great. I think, you know, right off the top of my head, Javier's award. His strength is more at the line of scrimmage, not so much playing off. But when you watch Samuel Womack, I think he does a terrific job, again, with his feet. And he gave us some catches underneath. But when I was watching how he was able to react, I'm like, man, there is more to Samuel Womack and his ability to really challenge guys at the catch point than what we're getting right here on film. So um, I wish I could actually, like, sit down and watch film with him <laughs> or work with him as a trainer. And I will be having uh, several – I say several, but I'll have about four NFL guys – I'll be training in this offseason or next offseason. I know the season's barely starting, but once the season's over, there'll be about three or four uh, NFL guys, uh, defensive backs that I'll be training out here in Stockton. And the biggest thing I really like to work on, challenging yourself, and I like to train the athletes that way, but some people just naturally got it, and Womack got it. So I would just really put him in this state of him feeling a little bit uncomfortable and then just continuing to ask him to work in this area that you are a little more uncomfortable in, but just react because you have the feet to do it and let's continue to build on that. All right. So um, Womack, I'm excited to see kind of what he grows into as a cornerback for the 49ers. I think he's a, he can be an outside guy for sure. Uh, you know, you look at his height, not ideal, right? Five, nine and a half or whatever it is, but man, he has the length for sure with the long arms. I think that's something that can really help him be a terrific 
guy on the outside. He has the versatility. When you see a guy like that being able to play off the way he does, uh, you know, we're talking about multiple coverages. We're talking about zero blitzes, uh, just being able to really read and react. So challenging himself, kind of shrinking that space, playing a little bit more in the gray area that we typically don't want guys playing in, but he has the feet and the ability to mirror, match, transition, turn and run with the best of them from a movement skill standpoint. I loved what I was seeing. Challenge yourself a little bit more. All right. So that's it on Samuel Womack. Uh, obviously, look, you know, we come on here and everybody gives their thoughts and opinions, but y'all know me, man. The, the thing I love most is talking about what I'm seeing on the field, being able to kind of break down some of the, you know, the matchups, receivers, defensive backs. So we're definitely going to get into more of that on this channel, uh, the stuff that hopefully you're not getting somewhere else. All right. So we can be a little, you know, a little different, kind of separate ourselves. All right. Another thing that's happening. All right. We had the 53 man roster. Breakdown, and I first want to kind of talk through some of the things that I'm seeing that I thought were very, very interesting. All right, so again, I'm going to share my screen, and if you were live with me on Bleach Report yesterday, you probably saw me talk about some of these things. But let's go ahead and share the screen here. Share screen, boom, and 49 announced 53 mil. Bomb. All right, here we go. So, first and foremost, San Francisco 49ers today announced the following roster moves. All right. Uh, they put Darrell Luter on the pup list. Cool. All right. Cool. Now, Luter, the interesting thing with Luter, he had a, a hyper extension. And I think I can zoom in a little bit more here. All right. Here we go. That should be a little bit easier to see so we can follow along better. But Darrell Luter had a hyperextension of his knee. And I've seen guys kind of hyperextend their knee. I don't know if there's a bone bruise that goes along with it, with whatever he did. But the fact that he's been out as long as he has, very interesting. And even more interesting than that, just when you look at, uh, you know, training camp, I'd say first day of training camp, he was out there backpedaling, moving around, looking good. So, it was interesting to see that it's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're just going to start you on this list. You haven't really practiced. I'm pretty sure he'll be cleared to practice very soon. But it looked like a guy that was really ready to go from the jump. And the 49ers were just like, mm, nah, we're just going to kind of keep you off to the side. So maybe it looks it, – it, it was it feels worse than what it looked like. But I thought he was really heading in the right direction there, that we would see him in preseason. So uh, this is something that happened during OTAs. Obviously, I've seen this a little while ago now. I think it was one of the last days, though. So, you know, a couple months to really kind of work through uh, whatever he's dealing with with the hyperextension and uh, still not back. So a little bit of a red flag, but the fact that they didn't place him on the IR list with some of these other guys, Zane Gonzalez, uh, Taylor Hawkins, Cam Latou, and A.J. Parker, I guess that lets you know that, okay, at some point, like he he, he will come back. Uh, Zane Gonzalez, again, I just talked about some of the other guys that are on injury reserve. You got Gonzalez. Hawkins is the interesting one to me because I didn't know initially that he had got hurt until my co-host, uh, Locked On 49ers, come at you five days a week, uh, Brian Peacock, until I said, like, oh, man, you know, he got banged up. They're probably going to put him on IR. And, and they did. It was something with his shoulder or wrist or whatever it was. Y'all know. It doesn't matter. He's on the IR. But from what I was seeing with the guy, man, you, you talk about from a coverage standpoint at the safety position, I thought he was doing a really good job. You know, this is a guy who was a cornerback at San Diego State, a big corner, 6'1", 205, 
and transition into playing safety at the next level. And we've seen that with some guys. I actually work with a cornerback who's now, well, he's a safety now on Baltimore Ravens. And he, uh, somebody calling me, got to exit that. But my guy, Jeremy Lucin, and I've been training Jeremy for a few years now. And uh, he actually, first of all, okay, hold on, back up. The business side of things, right? Football. This is the part that people don't hear. I hope one day that we can, like, he can come on here and talk about it. But Jeremy was a cornerback at Vanderbilt. I mean, excuse me, at UConn. He was a guy that did everything right, really smart, terrific hard worker, put school first, all that good stuff. Starting cornerback on their team. He was a leader, all that. All right, played played well. The team sucked. They were terrible. Midway through the year, I guess they realized that they were going to fire their head coach. So they were bringing in another guy by the name of Jim Moore Jr. And I think we all are familiar with Jim Moore Jr. Um, I believe he coached at 49ers at some point. All right. But Jim Moore came into UConn, brought in my guy, Jeremy, sat him down. Again, leader. All right. Everything like hard worker, size, ability, everything. Right. Sat him down. And this is the part where when people say, well, I think Kyle Shanahan knows more than you guys. Or I think John Lynch knows more than you guys. And it's like sometimes these guys are their own worst enemies for whatever reason. But Jim Moore Jr., and I don't even know if this is my business to tell this story, but Jim Moore sat my guy down, said, hey, man, how much time do you have left? He's like, oh, I got a year left. Jim Moore is like, all right, well, take that year and hit the transfer portal because you're just not going to play for me. My guy's like, shocked. What, like? Not gonna play for you. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like I'm best corner on the team. Um, I'm a le leader. You know, I, like what do you mean? And it's just like I don't think he could play for me. And it's you know really wild, right? He came in, and that's what from whatever he observed, that's what he came up with. So my guy hit the portal. Several teams reach out. Several teams go uh, look to get him, and eventually he signs. Uh, and gets a scholarship to Vanderbilt. So he goes from UConn, who is really trash, goes and now to the SEC. Vanderbilt, not a very good program, even though they did beat Florida, and I want to say they beat Kentucky as well. But Vanderbilt, goes to Vanderbilt, ends up starting at Vanderbilt, <laughs> even though he, I guess he couldn't start for Kentucky when he was a starter, but he goes to Vanderbilt. And uh, ultimately, he ends up going to the NFL and not just going to the NFL, he goes to the NFL, and he was released. He was brought back. Um, they're bringing him back on the practice squad. But, you know, it's like I wasn't good enough to play for you at, at UConn, but I can go play in the SEC and play against the Alabamas and the Georgias and everybody. I could play against them, but I can't play for you at UConn. Then I can go to the NFL, and I can make the practice squad. And he, like, led the team in – uh, tackles throughout the preseason and everything. They moved him to safety. He's doing a terrific job at the safety position. I say all that. That was kind of a, a long-winded way of a cornerback to safety situation, but uh, that's the same thing with Taylor Hawkins there. Uh, he's a guy who was a corner cornerback at San Diego State, moved to safety for the 49ers, and is transitioning very well. What's going on in the chat here? I see uh, Eric. Ben Eric Gomes. i seen this loser on Lombardi's chats. Uh, Eric Gomes, I see him in here. Folk, Karen, Cone, say it with me. I expose all you Monday morning. I, I, you know what? Look, Eric, I, I don't know what the issue is. I like your name. Um, you know, our names are spelled the same. But what's the issue? What's the issue, Eric? 
I make Karen's cry. Feels great, baby. If you're going to come in here and just, you know, do this, then we'll just ban you. All right. Because, you know, we try to just come in here and talk football on this channel. But, you know, if this is what we're going to do, Eric, then I'm sorry. I'm going to have to release you or <laughs> release you. That's what they say to players. I'll boot you from the chat. So uh, I'm giving you one chance. He said he has no issues. So, all right. Let's just keep it cool. Let's keep it cool. All right, we go back to the 53-man roster. Talked about some of the things I saw there. Cameron Latou. Uh, him, Cameron Latou, and them just being like, all right, we're going to put you on IR. That's interesting. This is a guy who they drafted in the third round. I thought it was a reach in the third round to draft Latou. Um, there were other tight ends that I would have preferred over him, and I don't know how they are. I really like the kid with Mallory out of Miami. Oh, I like Mallory more than I liked Latou, and we'll see how it ends up kind of working out. But yeah, we'll see. Not, not. I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on Latou other than he had some drop issues. And here's the thing: sometimes with the drops, it's more of a focus thing, right? So I think, like, just as fans, it's like, man, if if you if you hit, you know, if the ball hits your hands, you got to catch it, etc. Like, yeah. But one of the big things with catching the ball, a lot of it has to do with your focus. And when you are a guy who maybe is thinking about, like, man, what's next? Okay, I'm lining up and I'm looking. Okay, I'm supposed to be reading uh, this defender here. But then if the defense shifts to this, but if it's too high, then I have to kind of hook it up here. I have to be on the same page with my quarterback. Uh, sometimes these guys are thinking a little too much. And then by the time they, like, are like, oh, okay, I figured it out. Boom, the ball's on them. Boom, you see a drop. So a lot of times you see drops early on in guys' career because they're thinking a whole lot. Uh, there's actually an all-time great, actually the best receiver in the history of football uh, by the name of Jerry Rice, who had a ton of drops his rookie year. I bet he was thinking a lot. So uh, it looked like maybe that's what he was going through. All right, let's look at some of the veterans that were released, and I'd assume that the 49ers will be bringing back a lot of these guys if it hasn't been reported already. Austin Bryant, Chris Conley, Troy Fumagalli, Brian Hill, Kerry Hyder, T.Y. McGill, Jeremy McNichols, Anthony Miller, and Willie Sneed. Um, I've been very vocal about my thoughts on Conley and Sneed and how, you know, Danny Gray, who maybe Danny Gray will be subjected to going on some type of IR list, but IR list or not, and I understand the business aspect of this, you know, all these guys right here, if you, if you release them, uh, you can bring them back. And then, you know, it's not like they have to clear waivers. You can have a handshake deal in place with them. Bring them back, and then uh, their contract essentially becomes week to week. So from a business standpoint, I understand it. But even even then, I, I just don't – I've been harsh on Danny Gray, but I don't understand how you can even risk losing one of these guys to keep Danny Gray. All the things that you would want to see Danny Gray do, right, or what he's supposed to be a speedster, and we've seen him catch, you know, one or two vertically pushing routes, cool. But when you look at these other guys, they not only have caught vertically pushing routes, but they also have one on intermediate routes as well. All right. So I wouldn't have subjected Willie Sneed or uh, uh, Chris Conley to, you know, being released and another team maybe potentially trying to bring, bring them back. Now, again, with the veterans, you can have that handshake deal in place and maybe that helps, but, uh, you know, definitely not subject them to waivers. 
All right, all right, all right. Let's continue to kind of look at some of these other guys here, some of the rookies, and we have gotten news already. Deshaun Jameson, he got snatched up by the Panthers. Elm Manning, he got snatched up by the Cardinals. Uh, so they've lost some of these guys who were not able to make it back to their practice squad. Um, but again, Alex Berry, Jack, uh, Jack Coletto, I expected him to clear waivers. Not a whole lot of teams that really have fullbacks like that. So, you know, Another team probably, if there is a fullback, they probably have one that they like that's been in their offense. They're probably not tripping on Jack Coletto. All right. Uh, anybody else named that really? Marcelino McCrary Ball. This was a guy who I think a lot of people potentially thought would make it. But uh, clearly, they're trying to see if he can clear waivers. I'm not sure if he has. I haven't seen his name pop up. But if so, they're likely to be able to bring him back to the practice squad. And then maybe even the guy like Isaiah Winstead, but um, they might go more of a veteran route with the practice squad with guys like Chris Conley and Willie Sneed, unless they bring them on to the active roster. But yeah, Deshaun Jameson, he got picked up by the Panthers. And I, and I thought, like, man, there's a chance, you know, he's going to make it. I, I thought he would make it, but nope. <laughs> Smooth picked his ass up real quick. Real quick. All right, that's kind of it on my just kind of thoughts. I'd say probably the more surprising thing was maybe who actually did make it for the 49ers. So uh, Nick Zakel, and I think everybody's been kind of beating up on Nick Zakel, and I think deservedly so. <laughs> this is a guy who um, he got beat like a drum throughout preseason, and he was able to make it. I would, If I had to guess, I'd say it's more so of a position uh, versatility type thing, being able to play – multiple spots between him and Feliciano. But I didn't think either one of those guys was great. But obviously, I'm not someone who watches every single snap of the offensive line. But definitely things that I noticed that popped out when I was paying attention, I was like, Zakel may not be it. <laughs> and somehow he made the squad. Appreciate everybody that's in the chat right now. Make sure y'all hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. We might have a short show Today, again, just kind of going over some of these 53-man thoughts. Does anybody have any questions on this? You got, um, how about them Niners? It says Manning got poached. Yep, he went to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Mosquito Killer says Nick made an over Manning, made it over Manning, and now we've lost him to the cards. Yep, that's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> Tia Ingram talking about uh, Zakel says, uh, yeah, he is versatile at getting beat by a defender. Found different ways to get beat. Not ideal. <laughs> here we go. Good question here from Dayton Johnson. He says, what do you expect from Huff going into this year? You know, Huff is another one of those guys who, and I've talked about some of the guys on the back end for the 49ers. I don't think that they have the most freakish athletes back there. I think they have guys that are smart and fit a very specific uh, scheme or, you know, different things that they want them to do, and, and they do their jobs at a high level. Uh, our team's going to try to look at for different ways to put him in a, uh, a situation that's not to his benefit. Uh, I can think back to his rookie year where he had to come down and guard Christian Kirk running streaking up through the middle of the field um, on a deep ball, and he got beat. And if I'm a team, I'm, I'm wondering why teams don't attack him more like that. Now, maybe – the 49ers don't put him in that type of position to kind of expose him to that. 
But are we going to see more of it this year when teams really kind of dive in and see what the 49ers are doing defensively, especially the teams that have to play them multiple times? They probably already looked into it and like, you know what? We might be able to attack Kufunga this way. But the things I do like about him, and I think that will continue to be him, things that we saw at USC, obviously he has a playmaking ability, but it's how he gets to the point where he's making those plays. He triggers very well. Uh, when he sees something, he's able to plant and drive on it. I think he plays full speed. Sometimes that makes him miss a tackle here and there. I do not care about that, especially if he gets a guy to, like, stop his feet. Like, that's a tough thing with missed tackles. People will look at a missed tackle on paper and say, oh, he missed a tackle, he misses a bunch of tackles. But if he's flying in and he misses a tackle, but it makes a guy stop his feet or have to sidestep, and then everybody else comes and makes a tackle, I'm fine with that. And those are things that you can't really see on paper. So uh, I pay attention to things like that to be able to point it out, but not the biggest deal when you have a missed tackle, but then uh, it makes a guy have to kind of make a detour and you end up uh, seeing him get cleaned up. Now, if he's making, if he's missing plays out in space and you guys can, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, if you've seen him doing that, if it's out in space and you see guys now running for a first down, like we saw with like Isaiah Oliver in the week two preseason game against the Broncos, where he had an opportunity at a third down stop, misses the tight end, and the tight end starts to run upfield. If that's what's going on with with uh, uh, Hufunga, then all right. But outside of that, I think he's been good. But the times he has missed, I feel like he's in kind of a group of people and somebody cleans up the tackle. People were giving me stuff yesterday for saying Manning put too good of a uh, film on tape in the preseason to make it to the P-Squad. I called it. You did call it. You did call it. And my co-host thought that there was a chance that, you know, he would leave too. You know, the tough thing, especially with bringing guys back to practice squad, you know, a lot of teams have an L Manning, have uh, Deshaun Jameson, right? Like a guy that played very well for them, but it's like, man, we want to bring him back to our practice squad. Uh, so it is a little more rare for guys to really get poached, but you're definitely going to see at least two guys get poached per year. I haven't heard anything about Knight yet, but I want to say he's a strong desert, uh, person to come back for the practice squad, all right? So I can kind of look at Quantrez Knight and see what's going on here. But oh, here's actually a list. Here are all the players uh, claimed on waivers. All right, so here we go. Uh, I see Manning. Okay, Keith Ishmael, center. He got claimed by Arizona. Matter of fact, Arizona claimed multiple 49er players. Um, let's look at the next slide here. Anybody else coming from San Francisco? No, not yet. All right. Looks like there's only two forms here, and nobody, only those two players claimed by 49ers. Or, excuse me, three players. Ishmael, Manning, and Jamison. So 49ers got three players that they lost. Ronnie Bell is making the team. What's up with Bell? Bell is making the squad. No doubt about that. No questions about that. Uh, my guy Dayton Johnson says, maybe not as good as Goldson and Hittner, but they got potential. I think he's talking about the safety group and how well they play. I never thought I would say this, but Goldson and Hittner are kind of underrated as safeties. The way that Goldson, and maybe I'm just a big Deshaun Goldson fan, but the way that he's talked about by the fan base, I think it's kind of like borderline disrespectful a little bit 
they talk about him as this guy that like couldn't cover and you know, and it's like, I'm like, man, what are y'all talking about? What are y'all talking about? Deshaun Gosen couldn't cover. Dude, I mean, what the 49ers asked him to do is be a, a too high quarter safety. And I thought he played that at an extremely high level to the tune of being the all pro. He made plays. I mean, at one point he had what 10 interceptions in two years. Uh but people talk about Gosen like, oh, he couldn't cover, he could just hit. And I and I feel like people do that a lot with players where when they have one trait that is maybe exceptionally well, the people, uh, fans and people make it seem like they can't do these other things well. So I've seen it a lot with George Kittle, right? A lot of people, when they talk about George Kittle, it's, oh, he's a great, you know, blocking tight end, but, you know, he's not as good of a route runner. Have y'all really watched George Kittle? He runs great routes. <laughs> For a tight end, he runs great routes. Now, they do the same thing with Travis Kelsey. Because Travis Kelsey is such he's such a great pass catching tight end, it's all oh, but he doesn't block. That's where like George Kittle is just way better. Maybe he's not as good of a blocker as George Kittle, but he's not a bad uh blocker. So you see that a lot. And I think that's the thing with Deshaun Goldson. They kind of like Goldson Hitner, they get that niche where it's like, oh, yeah, they can hit hard, but man, they just couldn't cover at all. And it's like, no, like Goldson covered well. Goldson was a cornerback at Washington. <laughs> And those guys are underrated. Like they did it all. They punch you in the mouth. They take the ball away. I think that they were very assignment sound. They did a good job of protecting the cornerbacks. Then you know you had guys like Tremaine Brock. Uh, you had Culliver. You had uh, Brown. You had um, Paris Cox. You had Carlos Rogers. I miss those guys. I think overall, I think the secondary was kind of underrated a little bit. Preach. They were knocking people out. Remember that Saints game? Yeah, that was a big hit. That set the tone, right, for that playoff game. That was a big hit. Set the tone, knocked that ball out. Who was it? Pierre Thomas, I believe it was. But, yeah, they were tone setters. But they also made plays on the ball. Now, one time, I think it was Goldson knocked out his teammate in the ball or something against the Giants in the playoffs, and everybody kind of remembers that. But they were good, man. The corners were the issues back then, the same issues we have now. We never find a good corner. See, Tia, I got to disagree. I think that – I think people were kind of hard on those corners. They weren't bad. I'm not saying they never had, like, a bad game. I remember one game, uh, specific playoff stuff, but Culver got ate up in the Super Bowl a little bit <laughs> for sure. Uh, you had Terrell Brown. I thought Terrell Brown was pretty good. Y'all don't think Terrell Brown was good? I think Brown was a good corner. Terrell Brown was a good starting NFL corner. I would take him right now. Well, that version of him right now on this team. He'd start. Uh, Terrell Brown was good. I, I mean, I like Paris Cox in the slot. Matter of fact, I remember when, when Carlos Rogers was playing a lot of slot, he was hurt. He missed some time, and they plugged in Paris Cox. Paris Cox, Paris Cox did terrific in the slot, so much so that I was upset when – Carlos Rogers came back for the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks and had to play. And I'm like, why are they putting this guy in? Like, so, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Oh, no, I think the corners was – they were pretty solid then. And when I, when, I, when I watch the guys now, we'll see. But I definitely would take those corners over the corners they have right now. 
We got Mark G asking about Keller Witherspoon. Witherspoon was my guy. He was somebody that I definitely won the 49ers to draft when he was coming out of college. Uh, there were actually two corners from the class I really liked. And I actually had Tredavious White, Tredavious White as my CB1. And um, over, I mean, even over Marshawn Lattimore, even over uh, Garyon Conley. And then um, I had Keller Witherspoon as my CB2. And I thought for a guy that had that type of length, 6'3", 200 pounds, um, I thought he had really good feet for his height. Um, you know, he ran very well. He was a 4'4", 40 guy. And when he came to the 49ers, I thought he was good. I, I think the issue was maybe more so of the mindset that he had to have. I thought they got the, especially be able to get him at the top of the third. I thought that was a good spot for Keller Witherspoon. Um, a great spot, actually, for Keller Witherspoon. But I think Spoon just, I don't know what it was. And we'd see him go on streaks of just being really good. Although obviously, you know, he's kind of bounced around. And he plays for the Rams right now. He just made the Rams team. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. I think he might be wearing number 44. It was like he was number 23. And I think he's changing, changing his number to 44, which was his dad's number. I think I saw that. Croc, can you mimic Merton Hanks' celebration for us? No, Croc cannot. <laughs> but I will say, and I think this is the difference. I don't want to say the difference because I see kids do it now, right? Uh, how you see all the kids doing the little gritty dance that they see Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase do. I used to do Merton Hanks' dance at recess. I mean, I get an interception at recess, and I'm doing the Merton Hanks' dance, the, the chicken neck dance or whatever they call it. I definitely was doing that. Between Martin Hanks, Deion Sanders, I was doing all that. I did. I am not aware that he got that from Sesame Street, Mosquito Killer. I did not know that. <laughs> all right. You know what, y'all, man? We're going to end this show a little early today. But I do appreciate everybody for rocking with me today. I got some meetings uh, lined up that I got to get to. I hope everybody's having a great and blessed day. Hope you guys, uh, you know, everybody's feeling good. I hope everybody's healthy. And I hope we continue to uh, be cool in the chat outside of, you know, we had the air with a C in the chat, you know, kind of going crazy a little bit. People was tripping. But uh, Underdog Fantasy promo code Crocky. We're going to have the giveaways coming up. Uh, the audio version, everything, links in the chat below. And then, you know what? I'll see y'all tomorrow. Peace.